With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Divided up into teams. Um, you know, we selected some veteran guys to be captains. Um, and then uh, we went for seven weeks. And it's everything from, you know, gaining points for community service, for attending other teams' events, for um, competitions, for community, I said community service, um, it's lost points for missing study halls, being late to things. And so it's really, whereas most football teams are based upon your physical ability, you learn very quickly that, hey, your accountability and your ability to do what you say you're going to do is really important. And we want to be a team that when we play, we don't beat ourselves. So we're, you know, measured against reward, it gets done. Reward, rewarding guys for doing the right thing and going above and beyond. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Bowling won the Big Red Invite. Softball went 5-0. and Baseball 2-1. and Husker Women's Gymnastics 1-0. and Wrestling had seven NCAA qualifiers. Soccer 3-0. and Husker Hoops 1-0. and Victory at Iowa for the sweep. And Husker Golf sent, had a two career best from Malik. Go Big Red. We're going to talk about all of that tonight. No, no, no. <laughs> we're, we're going to focus on football. <laughs> also with Redcast Rob. Well, I'd like to remind everybody that the first annual Nebraska Podcast Awards are going to be coming up August 19th at the, uh, I believe it's the Nebraska Brewing Company. Yep. And, um, you know, one of the awards that's up there is for a podcast that preaches the most Kool-Aid. And honestly, I can't think of any other podcast that drinks and talks about as much Kool-Aid as this particular podcast. Or so podcaster. You know what to vote for. <laughs> <laughs> Exonerate myself from this. But I think you're probably right, Rob. We, we yeah. very well could win that. I will and, um, uh, I will post the link to the voting in our yeah. Um, in our uh, comments here tonight so that anybody listening can just go ahead and vote for us right now, because let's be honest, we are yep, the greatest absolutely. Nebraska fan podcast in the history of Nebraska fan podcasts. I, I believe Boomer is our campaign manager and he says, uh, vote often and, and vote early, early and often. Yep, correct. Vote early right. and vote often. That's right. Boomer, what else you got for us? Well, I'd just like to take this opportunity to announce that the uh, Redcast is officially bidding to stream the uh, Pac-12 Seasons games uh, on our uh, <laughs> stream yard here. So I hear we're in a good running. I think currently we're tied with uh, George Klavkov's MySpace page and an old uh, GeoCities account on, on Yahoo. So I think get a lot to look forward to this upcoming season. So. <laughs> oh, man. We might have new teams in our league before you know the way that's going. At this rate, yes. Mm-hmm. What a mess. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, we're not talking Pac-12 football. We're talking Nebraska football, and it was a great sports week. So we'll get a little uh, flavor of that later on in the show, right, Honky? But uh, definitely want to take a, a dive in and get ready for some spring football, don't we? No, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a second great weekend in a row, uh, and baseball 
you know, started it off with a, with a big win and, uh, and basketball, anytime you can beat Iowa and anytime you can sweep Iowa and anytime you can beat them in Iowa city on senior day, uh, I'll take any one of those. So, uh, yeah, great weekend. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. All right, Scarlet Colored Glasses, where we talk all things Husker football. And uh, we have uh, a presser today, uh, Coach Rule. Um, out there on a soapbox, right? Um, and uh, we've got a few few video quotes. Yeah, well, you know, as he started off there at the beginning of this, the the accountability that was probably the big takeaway, the big word of the day. And he talked a lot about the offseason program that they've had and how they would have the players go through it. And it wasn't just a physical program. Now that, of course, there's the physical pieces to it, the the strength and conditioning, but that the teams were broken up into these groups and they would work on everything from it was uh, there was outreach and going out into the community and doing things. And, and there was points gathering from each thing that you do as a team. And there was also points being taken away. If you did something wrong or a player did something wrong and, and, and players could, could try to re you know, redraft their teams and pick teams to try to get guys that would give them the most amount of points cumulatively to win. So it was all about competitiveness and it was about doing the right things. And as he kind of said there in that opening video, it's the accountability that if you're doing the right things now that you're going to do the right things in the fall. And uh, those little things, and I'll, I'll put that in quotation marks, those little things are the thing, hopefully that the difference between being disciplined, you know, when it counts in a game, you know, if you can't be disciplined now, if you can't show up on time now, how are you going to do the things the right way when it, when it counts on in the fall on Saturday? So, you know, it, it's, it's off season stuff, but it, it was still, it was a, it was a good listen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think it, it's it's interesting. You're right. I mean, it's off season stuff. I mean, and a bit of it's rah rah, right? But and you can say it's team building, but it's it's I think more than anything, it's to me like culture building, right? Because you're trying to yep. see how many guys are really buying in. I think he also used the word uh, accessibility, um, you know, accountability and accessibility, right? As in like our and, and availability. I think it was three words, right? Maybe it was availability. Maybe I got that wrong. But I, I thought that was interesting in the sense of like the availability is in like, are you open to this? Are you willing to be coached, right? Because I want to coach you, but you need to be able to actually be open to that, right? And I think you're getting a sense there. He even mentioned that um, a couple of the captains eventually, I think, got maybe demoted or whatever, right? You know, so I mean, mm. there's already some, some, uh, feeling out there a little bit, right? I think that was really interesting. It was also interesting that Fedoni and Chief Borders were the two guys that uh, spoke today, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, we'll get a, a little bit of uh, Fedoni's uh, video a little bit later since this is going to be an offensive-focused uh, redcast this week. Next Monday night, <clears throat> same time, we'll talk defense and special teams. So some of the video from Chief Borders uh, I'll probably incorporate in the next week's show. But, uh, yeah, it was – you know, it really, those are two of the guys that, that stood up. They, they stepped out. And, and uh, with Fedoni, his competitiveness was something that Coach Rule talked about quite a bit. And the, the guy just hated to lose. And, and 
whether that meant, you know, you're picking guys on your team that maybe aren't your your best buddy. Maybe it's somebody you don't talk to a lot, but you know that this person's going to be accountable and this person's going to help you score points in their point system. And that's what you want. You want to win. And that's what this this entire kind of offseason was about for them. It's about competing against each other and uh, and ultimately, you know, doing the things that it's going to take to win. And uh, so I guess that from a culture standpoint, Dave, that, that's what it is, right? I mean, it is it's about building guys up to do things the right way, getting teamwork going and and uh, and uh, along the way, hopefully they got into some decent shape, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's very true. Rob, uh, what, what were your initial takes? Um, well, it was it was kind of interesting to me just to hear. I mean, every time that guy talks, I'm literally ready to run through a brick wall. So um, if that's not Kool-Aid man enough for you, I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, I, I mean that figuratively, literally everything. Um, you know, <laughs> I had this conversation with Honky. We were on the phone earlier today and I was saying, you know, last year I was like 95% serious about my Kool-Aid drinking and, you know, and, and I think this year too, I, I've kind of toned it down a little bit because Again, I want to I want to start seeing some results, but like I go ahead and say that, and then again, I'm posting in the comments. A literal tweet comes out from the team, uh, like about two minutes ago. Um, A literal tweet opposed to literal -literal tweet. Welcome to Team (laughs) Commitment Week. Hashtag GBR, and it's like video of these guys like practicing at 5:30 in the morning, and then going to watch film at like 6:30 a.m. with like popcorn machines and all this other stuff going on. And I posted the link into uh into our comments again. And all right, it's 95 again. I mean, that's (laughs) and I I really like what he's having to say about the way that he's trying to build up the players about what they've been doing over the last few weeks, as far as conditioning, getting ready to go. I really like about um, what he's talking about with the spring game coming up and how this is his favorite time of the year. Basically everything for the season begins now with the practices and the spring ball and the commitment that the kids right now are putting in, because I also think it kind of tracks a lot with what honky says, where if they're not on campus right now, you know, that it doesn't matter to us, you know, as far as like them being on the roster or not, you know, the guys that that we're going to see playing next year are going to be the guys here in spring ball. And I think he kind of confirmed that for the most part uh, with that little bit of a talk right there. So, I mean, go to red. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Boomer, did you hear anything about social teams today? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I didn't really. But, you know, he kind of hinted at something that I think ties into special teams and everything else. It's just, and like Honky mentioned, the importance of the small things that they're doing. You know, I don't want to throw prior coaching stats under the bus, but, you know, we talked in the past about how they seem to struggle at those small things. You know, we could bring up examples of like, you know, Big Ten media days where you don't have an opener prepared or anything like that. I don't think at any point so far since Rule's been here, have you ever had a feeling that they can't handle small things like this. And, you know, if you show you can handle all these small things, it gives you confidence that can handle other things too, the bigger things, because these things aren't a problem. So it just goes to show the detail orientation they have, the organization they have, and they seem to be building towards something. So, yeah, Rob. Yeah, actually, they did bring up special teams today, Boomer. He said Buscemi is one of the best athletes they have on Probably. the team. Very good. <laughs> yeah. actually, he, he actually yeah. said, yeah. surprisingly, Buscemi is, is, I think he said, like one of the top athletes 
on the entire team. As Do they have a GPS on his? He's, he's never. He's never. He said he's yeah. never actually seen a special teams guy like him who is as, who is so athletic. So I. I don't know how to read that. Is that is yeah, it I don't either. Or not? <laughs> Does he have a GPS tracking thing just for his foot to see how fast it's traveling? I want to know like how hard he's kicking the ball. I, you know, that's a great question, Dave. I don't know. Um, you All know, about I'll, data, Rob. I'll make. I'll, I'll send him another email and see if he actually would respond to it. He hasn't responded in my other 250 emails, but maybe this <laughs> time he will. 251 <laughs> is the key. Yes. Yeah. That, well, Dave, he, you know, one thing that he talked about is is how important practice is. And I want to show this video here, and then we can chat about it. Practice is the most important thing in our program, not recruiting, not weightlifting, not the offseason, not travel, nothing. Practice is the most important thing in our program. And so um, I'm going to uh, – I take that very seriously, and I, I defend practice at a high level. So um, – I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. Rather than I love, I can't wait for spring ball. I can't wait for spring practice. Uh, this is my favorite time of the year. Okay, I, I can't wait for spring ball either. But I couldn't help but have Allen Iverson just going through my yeah. head there about practice. Allen Iverson would not work out with Matt Rule. <laughs> well, he and I have a, so much in common. Neither one of us know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> There's. It's a perfect example of like this is what this off season is about: is finding the right fits. And if Allen Iverson was on this team. This he would be weeded out, right? I mean, you know, yes. and, and that is what the last couple, uh, you know, weeks and, and months have been about. But you know, the, just the way he said that, how important practice is. It's more important than recruiting. It's more important than weightlifting. And and I mean, I think you could take everything with a little bit of grain of salt. Of course, recruiting is important. You don't have a team if you don't recruit. And of course, weight, you know, lifting is important. You're not gonna do much on the field and in practice if you're not big and strong. But at the end of the day, it's it's the importance that he puts on practice that we're not going to get better without practicing and it's that time of the, this is the time of the, these guys their 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 lives when they're in, in in college you still need to be getting better and i have one more clip to show about this in a second but it's the idea that these are not finished products right now i don't care if you're a five-star recruit i don't care if you're a fifth year senior you're not a finished product in college you need to be tackling to get better at tackling you need to be blocking to get better at blocking when you get to the next level it's a different type of uh, coaching. It's a different type of uh, practice and everything that you need. But right now, these guys are still in that development phase of just getting better. And so I thought that was uh, just interesting what he talked about the importance practice-wise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, everybody can say that, right? I think the point of like the, that team-building exercise is to, to preach accountability and, and all those things that actually – deliver on that right you know that's mm -hmm. what i mean we're gonna see if this works out or not right but i mean you can clearly see a different approach of just saying that you need to be accountable um in in, in something like you know practice or or actually are you going to actually um reward that accountability right mm -hmm. now dave you know you've known me long enough when it comes to practice, that you're not accountable <laughs> yeah, that i'm not accountable you know that number one but um aside from that what you know when it comes to practice what's something that's really important to me what's something i've stressed time and time again i i want to see Matt physical Gross? hitting in practice he wants to see actual tackling real football real football well uh coach real talked a little bit about that so to me i mean there'll, there'll be live days there'll be non-live days i mean we'll follow all the rules and do all that but i just think it's the quality of contact right like even when we're thudding you know, we won't be tagging guys off. I mean, we won't hit them from the side or from the back, but, you know, we won't go to the ground on days we're thudding, but we're going to strike and we're going to, 
you know, to me, you know, these guys are young. They're getting trained. We're not, they're not getting coached. They're getting trained. You get, you get coached at the next level. Right now they're training themselves on how to block, how to tackle, how to get off blocks. And so we have to train that. And the only way to do that is um, do it repetitively. So I think it'll be physical, but it won't be, you know, it won't be, you know, caveman-like. I mean, we're not going to go out there and just have a bloodbath. We're going to be smart. We, we do, the greatest gift I can give our players is health. And so I want to keep them healthy, but I also want to turn them into the best player they can be. You know, there was a, a couple of statements there. He, he really, he kind of walks the line a little bit on each side there. He, he's not like, I, I love the word bloodbath because it just immediately took me back to Mark Banker <laughs> and That's the right. Iowa loss in 2016. But so we're not going to be bloodbaths and just, you know, ripping each other's heads off there. You know, the best gift I can give these guys is health. But at the same token, the quality of contact, we have to have contact. You have to, you have to hit, you have to tackle to get better at tackling. You have to do those things. And so it's that it's that balance. And on the days that we are thudding, if we're not going to have a, a, a full contact day, then we're not going to take guys down to the ground. But on other days, there's going to be some scrimmaging, and, and you got to do that part too. You got to play some football at times. So um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. I mean, we haven't seen it yet, but I'm hoping that we find that right balance between not killing each other and getting better physically at the same time. Right. Yeah. No blood, blood, blood bath. But uh, Boomer, remind me in uh, Nebraska football history. There was a coach in the 50s that, that took the team out to, like, Curtis or something like that. And, I mm -hmm. mean, it was kind of our own version of the Junction Boys. Who was that? You remember? Bill Glassford. It was Bill Glassford. Babyface right, yeah, baby Glassford. Yeah, they, they <laughs> called him. Babyface Glassford. They called him something like that, and they called him, like, <laughs> they called him jackass or something. They, they had horrible <laughs> words for him because he was he just, like, beat the snot out of the guys. And it was totally Junction Boys. Yeah. yeah and it really yeah. worked. He had one whopping winning season. So, I mean, <laughs> And not so, that Boomer, not that Boomer's not the right guy to ask that, but but that's like too recent of history for Boomer. For anyone new to the podcast, <laughs> that's the 1950s. Boomer's like, come on, give me some history. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's. I mean, I'm, world's not taking these guys out to like you know mm -hmm. Scott's Bluff or whatever, <laughs> having yeah. a, a, a summer camp out there where they're all going to pass that from exhaustion, but. Um, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be physical, and we're going to hopefully see that a little bit. Uh, it's a spring game, right, Rob? I mean, hopefully this we'll see the evidence of that with a an actual game of some sort. Yeah, it sounds – I mean, we've said it before, and we'll say it again, and if you can hear my kids, kids screaming in the background, they're saying, <laughs> yeah, too. So, I, I mean, hopefully we're going to see some real football. That's I'm making the trek out there, and and that's really why I want – I almost wasn't going to, and, and – but I want to see some real football. I want to see some hitting. I want to see an offense and a defense on the field. And they've got 195 guys on the team right now. So there's yeah. absolutely no reason they shouldn't have two separate games going at the same time in my opinion. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now, scoring explosion, the offensive breakdown. Scoring explosion, where we talk all things about our offense and we are breaking down the offense by uh, position groups right Harky? yeah absolutely uh let's get started here with the quarterbacks and 
By the way, if you like this content, uh, click the like button here on, on YouTube here. We're going to be breaking these uh, videos out into individual segments. So if you're watching this later on YouTube and you're watching just the, the quarterbacks, know that we're also doing one for running backs and wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive line tonight. And so we'll try to keep these about five, ten minutes each and, and kind of go from there. But this is pretty much the roster right now. And for some of these position groups, it's not going to be everybody that's on the field or on the uh, the team right now, like in spring. Uh, this is just what we have right now from a scholarship standpoint on the roster. Now with the quarterbacks, all six of these guys are here right now. So that does make it easier. Coach Rule talked today about Casey Thompson basically saying he's not going to be doing much more than maybe a little bit of throwing in spring ball. So don't have any expectations for him here in April of seeing him running around, taking hits or anything like that. But what we have from a roster standpoint is Casey Thompson, the, the starter coming back. He's the, the lone senior, six feet, 195. Behind him, Jeff Sims. He's the transfer, the junior, 6'4", 220 from Georgia Tech. Uh, Logan Smothers, junior, 6'2", 190. He's been in the program now like four years, and he had a start against Iowa a couple years ago. Heinrich Hardberg, the uh, in-state kid from Kearney, uh, sophomore, 6'5", 210. Chubba Purdy, sophomore, 6'2", 210. And then Richard Torres, the redshirt freshman from Texas, 6'4", 215. So, Dave, I guess jumping off the page right away, I mean, that's a lot of names. <laughs> it's a lot of names. Out. They're all still here, which is awesome. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully there's some competition. Even without Casey out there, you have still have five guys with a brand-new playbook, uh, Jeff Sims. Uh, definitely has a lot of starting experience coming from Georgia Tech, and with a new playbook, it's it's um, kind of a level playing field. But uh, some of these players, like Logan Smothers, have uh, built-in relationships with uh, the teammates here. So I'm sure Jeff Sims will be working hard on on that and and kind of see where it goes. You know, I think it's it's going to be interesting. And um, you know, I think we got a uh, a comment in uh, saying that we're going to still need green jerseys. Um, so I suppose it's probably true, but with five guys, I'd like to see a little bit of um, competition here, however that plays out. Right, Honky? I mean, I don't think we need mm -hmm. to treat these guys uh, with um, too much of um, uh, too much caution. No, I mean, it, it, I'm going to go back to what I said about the practice to begin with. I think you have to have some balance there. Uh, again, let's not have a bloodbath and beat these guys up every single day, but at, sem at the same time, you have to have a legitimate competition, and they're going to have some scrimmages, and these guys are going to take some hits. I'm confident in this. They're going to take some hits in a couple of those scrimmages at the times that they need to. And I think that's a way that you're going to be able to filter through who is number two and three and four and five. Um, you know, I'm not giving anything to Casey right now either. He's not just sure. a de facto starter no matter what. I mean, he's going to have to show something at some point. And I understand coming off injury, he doesn't get that chance to right away. But uh, there's a lot of guys here that are going to be fighting for that, that spot. And even today, Coach Rule talked about the athleticism of Purdy and Hart Harbor, two guys that have stood out athletically. And that's not even talking about a guy like Sims, who that's what he's known for coming here from Georgia Tech. So there's or some real straight line speed like Smothers. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some legitimate athleticism in this room. Yeah. You know, yeah, I don't know exactly how the GPS uh, timing works. It's kind of interesting mm -hmm. that all the players have GPS systems and it's probably not just, you know, 40, 40 yard dash times here they're talking about. But Boomer, um, you know, let, let's hypothetically say that since Casey Thompson's out, um, the role of competition here between Jeff Sims and Logan Smothers, the two uh, quarterbacks with the most playing experience. Now, I guess Chubba might be right in that same boat with, with Logan, but they're pretty similar. But with six 
quarterbacks on the roster, you think eventually there might be some attrition that may occur here before the first game um, in Minneapolis come next August. Would you be interested to see uh, Rule and his staff let Harburg and Purdy and Torres, you know, really, you know, play some some physical football here and see um, who can kind of, you know, operate in a real football condition in, in spring ball here to actually create some of that separation? Because if you don't have enough of those kind of like game game like uh, situations to evaluate, you, you're kind of still at the same point, you know. Yeah, I mean, but like you said, they do have some, you know, footage of Smothers and Purdy playing, so that I think they know what they've got to some degree there. But I, I definitely think if you are those players, you certainly want that kind of a that kind of practice. You want something to be able to show how you can separate yourself from the rest of the crowd. And I am kind of with you, Dave. I'm surprised all all the players, you know, these six are still here. I did kind of expect to see at least one, you know, end of the transfer portal, just given the nature of the game these days and you know yeah. opportunities <laughs> elsewhere. Yep. I, I would probably bet we'll see one after spring ball, you know, once kind of the pecking order has been, you know, shaked out and, you know, the staff brought in Sims for a reason. So they must like what they see there, either as the starter or the backup. And, you know, there'll be other quarterbacks coming in, you know, as well as with recruiting classes. So I think there is probably going to be some attrition, but that's just the nature of the game nowadays. Yeah. And, and I'll direct this question to, to Boomer, but Honky or Rob, if, if you know the answer, remind me on like the transfer rules when it's a second time. For example, with Chubba Purdy, is he locked in here a little bit more because he, he can't have a free transfer out and, and play right away? You would have to sit out a year. Or with Casey Thompson, I mean, he did he was it already a grad transfer to get him here? Yeah. Yeah. The the, so. the rules can get a little different when you have a coach just leave. So Purdy, right after Frost left, Purdy potentially I think could have left again with that being the reason because of a coaching change. But now that right. we're you know months after that, I don't know if that even applies anymore at this point. And then yeah, it would get to the point if it's like a if you're a senior transferring, you know, there could be some senior rules. But so someone like Purdy, who's you know a sophomore, um, who isn't graduating yet from undergrad um i think it would be if he transferred right now he'd have to have some kind of waiver there'd have to be some reason why he'd be able to play right away he'd have to you know sit out a season uh the way that the the rules work there but um but yeah you know i, I just you know to go back to the to the contact piece or, or the competition piece um you know you're still you're it's amazing to me what we have from a, a an experience standpoint i can't think of the last time we would have had two power five starting quarterbacks at, at, you know, Georgia tech and Texas that are one and two right now. And to have a third guy who has started against Iowa and have a fourth guy or a fifth guy, Purdy, who, you know, wherever you've heard him, you have Purdy. He started a game at Florida state. I mean, that's a ridiculous amount of P five starting experience sure. across the board. And yet you still want to get a lot of film of these guys and you want to get them into competitive situations. We heard about that all off season with the, with the off-season program that they did about being competitive. You want to get them in competitive, competing competitions. Some of those are going to revolve around some contact, and some of them are not going to be contact drills. But uh, I, I think that that's something that is really crucial. This is a huge room. I mean, let's just be frank about that. I can't believe we have six scholarship quarterbacks right now, and that is very unique. And I'd be, I'd be interested to see you know how many other programs are even close to this. We probably want to be at four. Uh, just from a number standpoint, I don't think too many people even carry five. So, um, you know, we'll see. And the athleticism, one thing I do want to say that's interesting is that as Coach Rule talked today about 
you know, Harburg and how athletic he is. And you think back to last season where, um, you know, Coach Whipple was wanting to play him at tight end. I'm I'm not saying Harburg's going to be transferring, you know, moving positions or anything, but that's one option for a guy too. I mean, it's not just, you know, you're a quarterback or not, you're off the team. It could be something too, or if these guys are athletic enough, they could be moved around potentially some of these guys. But uh, it'll be fun to watch it play out. Yeah. Absolutely. So there actually have been some updated rules, I believe, for the transfer to answer that question, Dave. And, and it, it looks like sometime can, in January. Rob, can you speak up? I'm not hearing you. Oh, yeah. I said there. I, it looks like there have been some, like, updated transfer rules for a second-time transfer. And now, I mean, it's it's going to require some pretty um, extraordinary um, circumstances, circumstances in order for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like having to prove a demonstrated physical injury, illness, or mental health condition um, that necessitated the transfer, or um, I think it's exigent circumstances, such as physical or sexual abuse to necessitate a transfer, things like that. So they're really trying to cut down on kids just like transferring to transfer. Yeah, you you get the one free transfer. I think that's always been the intent of that. And then, yeah, but so many people were doing it and then applying for like a second transfer and a waiver and, they're basically saying you can no longer Daniels is on his fifth team, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I think they're really trying to cut back on that for all sports really. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got yeah. You. All right. Obviously. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, we want to move on to running backs. Yep. All right. Hockey. Let's run down the running backs. Well, uh, just like with the quarterback position, we really haven't had much movement. Um, a lot of guys here, I'll go down the list, but a lot of these guys, I think we would have been concerned two, three months ago that we're going to lose this guy or that guy to the portal, and, and none of them have left. And so that's Anthony Grant, senior, 5'11", 200. Ramir Johnson, I, who is only a junior, but I swear he's been here yeah. 12 years, uh, 5'10", <laughs> 185. Uh, Gabe Irvin, Jr., uh, sophomore back, six feet 215. A.J. Allen, the redshirt freshman, now he had the injury last year. Um but uh, 5'11", 185, great to see him back. Emmett Johnson, who redshirted last year, the, the kid from uh, Minnesota, 5'11", 190. And then the incoming freshman, I don't believe he's on campus right now, Quentin Ives, he's 6'2", 185. All right, so we have six guys here, uh, four of them um, we've, we've seen in action. Do we know if A.J. Allen is in for spring here, considering the, the knee injury? The I don't think he brought them. I don't think he mentioned him today from a, a health standpoint. So I don't know what his status is. Anybody watching, okay. if you know this, feel free to to throw that in there. But um, I don't. I don't believe that he mentioned. You know, gave an update if he's how much contact or whatever you'd be expecting from him. Right. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, we saw some some you know flashes from from mm-hmm. Allen last year before he went out. Uh, to get Anthony Grant back is is great, and I mean, if we see some offensive line improvement, um, I think he's got some potential to get coached up to make sure he hits those holes. Uh, but had 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 some really promising year games last year, right? Ramir, mm-hmm. to your point, is a seasoned veteran and a good third down back, and Gabe has also um, shown some some real um, potential there. So Rob, I mean, uh, this actually looks like a, a pretty good uh, room right here. It does. I mean, outside of like Anthony Grant, I think it's going to be a really wide open room with the with the running backs. Um, AJ, like you said, AJ Allen. I I actually thought he was probably like the number two back last year before yeah. the injury, right? And then 
Um, but you know, you've heard a couple of his coaches and I've heard, I think sip talk about Gabe Irvin a lot, um, saying that he thinks he might fit in. I think it was him to saying he would fit into, um, you know, what, what he thinks the offense is going to look like next year. So, I mean, there's all kinds of, I, these are the question marks I like, quite frankly, you know, and, and we'll get to it later, but these aren't the same kind of question marks I think we'll have about like the offensive line. This is going to be a really good rotation next year for, for running backs and, um, it'll be interesting to see how they're going to be using that room. And if we're going to be doing, you know, is there anybody on this roster right here that could possibly fill in at fullback, you know? So, I mean, where, you know, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of excitement, but I still think Anthony Grant's going to be our, um, what do you call it? Workhorse or, uh, uh what, what is the workhorse, whatever. Yeah. 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 Sure. Feral pig, I don't know, like what, whatever you're going to call him, but yeah. Boomer, do you, Boomer, do you think that um, all six of these guys will be on the roster in August, or we have a little attrition here too? That's certainly possible. I, I think basically all these running backs have, I think, something to prove coming off of last year. Yeah. I think all of them left, you know, either, you know, you got like AJ Allen who looked promising but was derailed by an injury. You know, Anthony Grant started so well, but then you know, kind of tapered off as the season. I think he wants to show yep. what he can do against you know, Big Ten competition, you know, Ramirez Johnson was on a milk carton for a huge chunk of the season last year. I had no idea. I, I didn't even know he was still on the team for part of it. So I, I think there's a lot that these guys want to prove, and I think they'll get this opportunity. So I am looking forward to seeing what they can all do and how they how they fit in with the new offense and a new scheme. So, yeah, to so that you might point, see somebody leave if after spring ball they don't fit. That's a possibility. Sure. To, to that point, uh, Boomer, you just mentioned about um, kind of the fit and the X's and O's. Honky, how do you see these type of the running back types here? You know, we've got a couple of guys that are a little bit on the lighter side, the 185, and a, a few over the the 200 pound number there. I mean, how do you kind of see, knowing what you've looked at with kind of the various different rules, various different offenses that that Matt Rule has run, how do they fit in? Yeah, I don't. You know, Rob mentioned something about the fullback and. I'm ecstatic about anything fullback related. I don't know that I see any one of these body type no. type wise, you know, filling into that just size wise. They're not necessarily huge dudes, but you're going to see there's ability within the rural offenses in the past to flank some of these guys out. I think there's definite ways to get two backs onto the field for the first time in a while. And maybe even three, if, if you think of Ramir Johnson is all of a sudden going out and being a wide receiver, sure. maybe still having a backfield that has, two guys in the backfield. I mean, there's conceivable ways of doing it, but just at, at the very least finding ways to get two of these guys on the field at the same time. And, and last year was probably one of the most maddening seasons of that, where it was, you know, one running back, three wide, three wide outs and, and a tight end about every play. And, and, and I think the the formation, the personnel, whether it's 12 personnel or 21 personnel or whatever, they can mix and match a few things a little bit more or this staff will. And, uh, and I think that's, that's crucial. Anthony Grant started off last season so good. I mean, he was gonna he was one of the top running backs in the country there through the first, you know, four or five weeks, and then it just completely tapered off. And so I think what Boomer said about everyone having something to prove is really key. And Coach EJ Barthel, uh, I think what he has, you know, he talked about how he's he loves this room and he was so glad that you know all these guys stuck around. He didn't feel like he needed to go into the portal for anybody. And this is a room of all of them where I think these guys having the benefit of a new set of eyes on them and everything could really help. And, and, and a new X's and O's scheme can really help these guys. Cause I think that 
that they'll get a few more touches, a few more opportunities, and uh, maybe a little bit different style of play might be able to, to you know, give them a few more holes that they, they didn't have in the past. Yeah, yeah. You know, with Ramir and Gabe, this is probably their third running backs coach in three years, right? Yeah, and, you know, Applewhite was great. I, I don't have yeah. an issue with Applewhite at all there. Um, it's, it's just, I think scheme-wise, I think we're going we're gonna to have a little more of a power scheme here. And we're going to have a few more opportunities with with how we align these guys, how we have different players on the field, some different p- personnel groupings. I think that's what's going to be really interesting and, and could be something that can open some stuff up for them. But I, I would love to see, if nothing else, I would love to see Anthony Grant and A.J. Allen on the field at the same time in the same backfield once or twice. Right. I mean, the, the idea that that never happened a year ago, I just think is such a, a wasted uh, opportunity there because they a, a lot of these guys have, have talent that can – that can stretch a defense that can, that can uh, stress a defense and uh, they just need to get the opportunity there. And so they all have something to prove. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on and let's talk about the wide receivers room. And this is a less talky. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is where you get to two columns and you know, <laughs> <laughs> barely can fit that in. <laughs> this looks like our coaching draft. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> Uh, you know, again, some of these freshmen here, even like Malachi Coleman, who's in Lincoln right now, but not at the university. So not all these guys are going to be going through spring practices. But uh, let's start up, up on top here. Joshua Fleeks, the senior, he's the transfer from a start off at Baylor with uh, Coach Rule four or five years ago. Uh, 5'10", 190. Billy Kemp, uh, the senior, 5'9", 180. He's the transfer from Virginia. A uh, lot of good things that we'll, we'll get to him about. Marcus Washington, and we saw him have flashes last year. Senior, 6'2", 190. He's a transfer from Texas a year ago. Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, he's back. <laughs> so I've, I've got to say the words again. I kept screwing up his name all IGC. 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 He's back. Junior, 6'185". Tommy Hill, junior, 6'200". He's been a defensive back. He's been on offense. Um, Did they move him back, Hockey? I thought he was going back to the. You DBs. know what? I think this. I think I updated the graphic, and it didn't get updated here because you're right. I heard that he went back to defense, so um, I think this graphic is up is old. There, Xavier Betts, another guy that's now back on the team, sophomore six two two hundred. Uh, Sean Hardy, the second sophomore six three one ninety. Janarian Bonner, redshirt freshman six three, and of course I've got the uh, logo up there. So let me. Take that we'll off say he's 400 and no, no, it's like 400 pounds. Okay. <laughs> Victor Jones, 6'1, 195. I'm going to stick with those guys there. Put him uh, tight end. Yeah, <laughs> Victor Jones, uh, and we'll end with that because the rest are all going to be freshman guys. Um, these guys, you know, they're the ones that are probably going to get the bulk of the reps. The, the any of the returning guys that, uh, um, at least here in spring. So, uh, you know, starting with Kemp, I think Kemp is such a a game changer here. I mean, he comes here from Virginia and he's like number three or four, whatever on their all time receiving list. I mean, he has, you know, a a ton of stats that, that have already come out of, uh, you know, playing in the ACC now for three seasons, had a chance to was thinking about it going pro and then was given, was granted a kind of a waiver and all the Virginia players were, they were on the team that had the last season, the last couple of games cut short because of the players that were shot and killed on their team. So they ended up having, um, you know, waiver, and he had an opportunity instead of going into the draft to go into the transfer portal, and that's why he's coming here for one more season. Um, he also, from a special team standpoint, is a returner. But 
I mean, I think from a, a possession receiver standpoint, this guy is, uh, has an opportunity to, he could be the leading receiver on the team next year. I mean, that, that's the kind of sure, role that catches, he has. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily a guy that's going to stretch the field and, and be a burner, but somebody that's just going to make a lot of catches. Yeah. Someone who's going to move the chains, very reliable, uh, someone that the quarterbacks are going to trust. Um, but we've seen, you know, Marcus Washington, like to your point, has shown some flashes um, to be a, another type of um, wide receiver one. Interesting to see what Fleeks actually does here. It seems like this is just a new lease on life for, for him. And mm-hmm. uh, IGC started red hot last year, and obviously something happened there between him and and the coaching staff um, and, and all that type of stuff. And then, of course, um, you've got Xavier Betts back on the team, and uh, that could that could be the guy that does stretch the field, right? Yeah. It, the, today on uh, Husker Online, they had posted something about what they had heard with uh, Betts, that he's up to like 208 pounds. I think he'd gain 18 pounds and, and is faster than he's ever been. So, you know, he's had a really good offseason with that. And, you know, look, it's – it's never been an athletic issue with bets. That's never been the problem. And so if, uh, you know, it's all, it's all about all the other things that they've talked about this off season being with uh, someone like bets is that making sure that are, are you, are you bought in? Are you, are you all in, in, into football? And if you are, holy smokes, I mean, that guy, we've seen glimpses of what that guy can do too. Um, Marcus Washington, like you mentioned last year, I mean, there were times where, you know, he was able to kind of take over a game for us and he had opposite him, he had Palmer. So that's going to be the the challenge for him next year is, you know, maybe he is the number one guy next year. Maybe he takes over Palmer's role and has a guy like Kemp opposite him, you know, getting some catches too. I don't know. Uh, IGC, we saw him for one game, you know, against Northwestern, really have a just an outstanding game, caught the first touchdown pass of the season. And then, uh, you know, three games later, he, he was quitting it. So I don't know what to make out of him yet. I, I think it's way too, it's, it's early for me to, to, I'm not, I'm just not sure what to put, what stock to put into him yet. Yeah, no, absolutely. Rob, looking on the other side of the, uh, the screen here on the second column, uh, obviously uh, Coleman uh, kind of uh, stands out there. Someone that could be an early contributor. Is there anyone else out there that uh, you're looking at that you'd like to see? Uh, catching a few balls this year. I think the one the one name that I recall, and I'm trying to remember from um, remember from from looking at this, and and I think Jaden Doss was the one kid that I think that they have coming in. I again, it's so hard to tell. Like I don't even know if Coleman's going to contribute this year. Maybe he will, but I think it was between like him and Doss. Am I am I? God, I'm I'm so bad at this with these because all these names. That's all right. Doss is the one but, from the but, KC area, I think. Right? Yeah, and I think right? that was the Lloyd's one. That, one from Lincoln High. Yeah. yeah, I believe that it was. I believe that it was Doss was the one that they were talking about could come in and and that he was kind of like a last minute. They were really surprised that he signed with the team. I think that was him. No, 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 um, no, he, no. That who that's am I? Not right. No, he's been around a lot, but. Oh, he's been around. I'm sorry. I just, I'm, I'm just trying to remember all these, all these kids because of that's all right. Po- the point is, I guess, Rob, yeah. Rob is. I think you've actually illustrated my point pretty well. Is that we're probably not expecting a lot from the freshman outside of probably Malachi Coleman, who yeah. may be an early contributor. But a lot of these other guys are probably yeah. going to need a little bit of seasoning before they contribute, right? I, I, I do have a say? question on Coleman though, because because I know that we said like he's not on campus. Obviously, he's in Lincoln. Um, but is is he still able to go over and like work out 
at all anything because he's not enrolled yet or is he because he's still in high school like or is he allowed to like go and be in the gym and be around the teammates oh, what I are mean, the rules on that you, you could go to practices you can watch practices things like that at this point he's not a recruit anymore so yeah he could be around as much as he can be around now like, what about like weight room and stuff because i swear I, I saw him in a weight room video but i, I don't, don't know, know that they him. like i think with, with when it comes to like things like, like that that the, the the coaches can send them like you know uh weight lifting plans yeah. and food plans and stuff but i don't think you're doing anything official until you're actually on campus enrolled and everything so okay. uh, you know this gets into some of the, the weeds of the details there but as far as like when i look at that right column and specifically the true freshman guys you know, Coleman, he definitely brings a different body type and everything than what we have right now. I mean, that is it. He's yeah. a big, tall, mismatched, fast kid. Now, Jalen Lloyd and Bryce Turner, those two guys are track guys, but they are probably development guys. So they would be examples of, you know, it, it's going to be probably a year or two, most likely, before you'd start seeing them really contribute. And they might be contributing in ways on special teams before they would even on the offense. Um, Janarin Bonner is he's a really interesting guy for me. So he is the bigger body guy. He's six, three and uh 200 there, but he's the, the kid from, uh, was it Georgia last year? I think. And, and, or was it Louisiana? I can't remember, but it was, it was where Joseph, Joseph got him right at the very end, big four star, right. you know, recruit. And so, you know, he's redshirted, he's back now. And a lot of people probably thought that he was going to take off when, when Joseph wasn't here anymore. And the fact that he's still here going through spring ball, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he's able to start getting his, uh, you know, himself into some of the different sets and some of the positions there. So there's size, there's speed. This is a, it's a deep room. There's a, there's some experience here. I mean, Kemp and Washington uh, and, and bets. I mean, these guys have, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, seasoning under them. They played quite a bit. When I think of fleeks, I think of, uh, I kind of go back to um, the first year of Frost when Trey Neal, when they brought him here as a defensive back, sure. he had been at UCF, he was brought really to be kind of a culture guy and someone that could help, you know, expedite the, you know, the the teaching and just with this new, you know, kind of be a coach on the field. And if nothing else, if that's what Fleeks ends up being, I think that's a, you know, that's a role that, that can be used here as we're going through a transition year. Fleeks essentially he played with Garrett McGuire, right? I mean, they are on the <laughs> same roommates, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's a good point, Dave. This is a group that is this is the you know the one being coached by Coach McGuire, not Coach McGee, as I kept calling him a, a couple weeks ago. Um, Fleeks and Kemp are the same age, <laughs> practically. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, isn't like Drake's basketball team older than half the NBA ones? I mean, that's happening all yeah. the time anymore. So you know, you just that's right. Older than five COVID years, who knows? Older than five NBA teams. I think I I, going back because I was was Billy Kemp was the one I think I've heard him compared to like Torre a lot as far as like what he'd be able to contribute for for this. Uh, Yeah, I can see that a little different body type. Torre's taller, obviously, but Kemp's definitely more of a possession guy who eventually could catch a lot of passes, but maybe not have quite as many yards per catch. And when you think about the last two years, Torre and then Palmer those are examples where we've been able to have a transfer come in and be a significant player, not yeah. just to not play a small role, but be the leading guy. And so again, with, with Kemp, it may not be the most yards per catch and it, and it, he may not even have the most yards, but I, you know, I think he would be a top candidate going into the season to be the, the, the most receptions at least. And that is something yeah. that he did a lot of at Virginia. I, I know a guy on Twitter that we've been going back and forth a little bit. Who's football H O O S. 
And I've asked him about, so he's a big Virginia fan. I asked him about Billy Kemp and just, you know, give me your evaluation. And that was the first thing he said. He's like, you know, tough kid and great kid. And, and he's going to catch everything thrown at him. Doesn't have burner speed, but he has, you know, all the other intangibles you want. And so, and then the other thing is the special team side of it. He's going to, you know, he can return punts. He can return kicks and actually do more than Santino Panico and, and just fall forward. So anything that, that, a player can do like that at, at that position too to start to change and flip the field. Uh, my goodness, that's something we haven't had in five, six, seven years. Yeah, yeah. probably since uh, actually since uh, oh, uh, DeMorne personnel. So, yeah, that's a good point. Bo- Boomer, uh, who would you uh, you got guys here that could be forming a four by one hundred track team right here? Right? I mean, like, <laughs> who do you think is the fastest on this list? That I don't know. We'd have to get break out the GPS stats for it. You know, that is something rules known for is trying to find those, you know, track speedster types and teach them the game of football. And, you know, just looking at these columns, it's just interesting to see how young a lot of it is. I mean, there's so many, you know, you have what, two, three seniors, two juniors, a couple of sophomores, and then everything else are retro freshmen and freshmen. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Good opportunity to get some players in here and mold them into what you want. And, hopefully get a lot of production out of them so and you know that just shows why you had to go out and get people like fleeks and kemp because there just wasn't a whole lot of other experience to fall back on yeah and garcia castaneda coming back and yeah that's marcus washington somebody somebody said today that maybe bets is stronger and actually like has improved in his speed like yeah that was he's ever been and I mean that's I mean that's that's huge too because that show that he's like that commitment that Rule was talking about right like we're coming in and working out and putting in the practice and the time sure. sounds like he's doing that so that's a positive I think yeah. looking I'd love to see to see the you know the the coaching staff really with all the speed here actually really push that competition right like let's say mm-hmm. who is the fastest i want them to actually try to really really prove it you know especially like you know real football speed too it should be interesting mm-hmm. and i will say boomer i think made a really good point there you know i probably take it i'm taking it for granted right now that bets and casting a igc are back but imagine look at this list right now and take those two guys off it and that changes things completely i mean we needed we needed that yeah a little bit of age and a little bit of depth there. And, and if I have to throw out the wild card on that, to, to me, it is bets because he's somebody that obviously, you know, we just assumed was, you know, was done with Nebraska and for him to come back, if he's anything potentially like he was two years ago, and if he's even better, um, I mean, this guy, you know, <laughs> he could be the best receiver. He could be the top reception, top, you know, yardage guy, top touchdown. He could right. be the top everything if he's, if he, if he's focused that way. And so um, a lot of talent for coach McGuire to work with and, uh, and uh, it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. It's always amazing to see these different career trajectories, right. And everybody can ultimately maybe reach their destination in different ways. And the fact is that in, in my mind, recruiting wise, Xavier Betts in, is always tied to Xavier Watts. Mm-hmm. Watt, the, who came out of, of Nebraska at the same time, went to Notre Dame. I think I saw him post. I mean, he's in going to the NFL draft, I want to say, right? He, he was like already a career done at Notre Dame, essentially. <laughs> and and Betts feels like he's just beginning, right? But it doesn't mean that Betts may not make it to the NFL as well. So should be yeah. interesting. Uh, all right. Let's uh, see what else we have here. And uh, we're looking at tight ends here. Uh, and this this is another really intriguing room that is 
gotten much larger and um, hopefully healthier. Right, Honky? Yep. Uh, coached by Bob Wager, the uh, the new tight ends coach who came straight from high school, Arlington Martin High School in Texas. Uh, the roster 2023 starts with Chris Hickman on top here, junior 6'5", 215. Now, I did read something that said that maybe he hasn't been around the team as much the last couple of weeks. I don't know. We'll find out more in spring ball, but he's still mm-hmm. listed. James Carney, sophomore, 6'5", 225. Fedoni, Thomas Fedoni, today was uh, speaking, and we've got a video of him in a little bit here, 6'6", 235. And then Eric Gilbert, that's the transfer, the sophomore, 6'6", 260. Jesus. And uh, that's the transfer there, and he is uh, yeah. from Georgia. Now, Fedoni, by the way, just to – be clear here this says 235 um he was asked about that today he said he's 255 right now so just to put that in perspective he's 66 255 gilbert's listed at 66 260 and those two guys were both in the same recruiting class and they were both pr- pretty much the number one number two tight ends in that that class that year nationally so uh, there's talent there aj rollins sophomore 66 220 from omaha chase androff the redshirt freshman 66 235 <laughs> from Minnesota a year ago, um, and he's pretty much a – he was also listed at 255 after the holidays. Sorry. <laughs> Probably not too far off. Um, Brody Tagaloya, uh, redshirt freshman, 6'3", 260. And then Isaiah Smith-Flores, the the freshman. Now, he's not here yet, but he's the, the one that – He's my He's my And he's the one from uh, t- uh, Arlington. Martin played for right. – uh, Bob Wager there in Texas and is the Iowa legacy. His dad is in like the Iowa Hall of Fame. So he's 6'4", 230. Yeah. Um, did I say Isaiah? Jeez. Yeah. It's hard to read That's after okay. after this long. So anyways, you're seeing a lot of height, a lot of size. Uh, it's a big room period. It's a big room with eight guys. But this is an area where I think if we could start to see some differential – some differential things that they would do X's and O's wise, it could start in this room. Some more two tight end sets. I've even heard three tight end sets. And some of these guys are athletic enough to where you could conceivably see two or three of them out there, but not all in, in those positions. You could see a, a Fedoni lined up, uh, you know, as a split back or, and he even mentioned, you know, getting into a running back position. He's watched some of the, the video of coach rules offenses in the past where they've had tight ends doing multiple things. So, it's it's very interesting to see what they uh, what they're going to do with this room. Yeah, he he said he wanted to be the best tight end in the country this year, and you said he said he's two fifty five, honky. But I mean, I think twenty pounds of him right now is that hair. Did you see that? <laughs> I mean, my lord. Well, here, um, take, yeah. yeah. Yeah, do you have video? I, I bet you you have to have video of this. Right? Yeah, here. I'll, I'll yeah. Watch the video here of, of his hair, and then also watch. Uh, <laughs> this is where he talks about what uh, some of the offenses have looks like done four. at the position. So this is a this is an interesting watch. Right when he got hired, the first thing I had to do, I I turn on the tape. You know, they have a tight end, Jaheim Bell. They have Austin Stogner, Atkins, and really, I can see myself in all three of those positions. You know. Austin Stoddard is more he, – he can he, – obviously he's receiving tight end, but he's definitely more of a, you know, blocking tight end where they have Jaheim Bell. He's receiving tight end. He can line up with a running back. They'll do fun plays with him, reverses, screens. Um, so I can see myself doing those things, but I can also see myself in the trenches, you know, putting getting blocks, getting dirty, um, which I love to do. So I'm excited for that too. He's got the classic man bun going on there. There's a couple extra heights. He's probably 6'8 with that, right, too. So – 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's like Fletch is like six 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 nine with the afro. Yeah, I don't know whatever, <laughs> whatever that would be called that that uh, Fedoni has there. But um, uh, I, I mean, you hear about what, what some of the previous offenses have done under Coach Rule, and talking about you know tight end reverses and and screen passes and doing you know lining them up in different positions, hand in the ground turf, you know, uh, being a down line blocker, and you know being someone that's split out, and so there's a lot of different options there. And you can see the body types here. Uh, you know, Chase Androff, I mean, he was basically – he was a glorified offensive tackle in high school up there in Minnesota. They didn't – they threw the ball only a, a handful of times. And so, uh, you know, he didn't he didn't get recruited because of his receiving stats. But, you know, he, he's a tough-nosed Big Ten kind of blocker. And so there's different guys here, different body types, I think, that we can throw out there. But it probably starts – the conversation starts with the guy who, who we just showed, Fedoni – and Eric Gilbert, the transfer from Georgia. I mean, those are two high-caliber recruits at the position, and they're a few years out of high school now. So, I mean, physically, these guys have got the builds. Um, I mean, yeah. th- there's something to build around just those two guys. And and we said with 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 running back, how nice it would be to get two guys on the field at the same time. Those would be two guys on the field to mismatches and everything. That'd be nice to get on the field at the same time. Yeah, and Gilbert, his his freshman year at LSU where it was a COVID year, had a, a really good um, shortened season there, uh, and things just didn't play out quite the same. Georgia, who has also had a, a very deep, um, tight end room. But, uh, you know, I mean, like, it's interesting. It'll be, it's different, but Nebraska's actually done pretty well with tight ends over the last mm-hmm. few years, right? I mean, with Jack Stoll, Austin Allen, Vokalek, um, and, mm-hmm. and that, having success at the next level, too. So uh, hopefully that continues and a little bit of a tight end you here at some point. Yeah, the size on on this for this tight end room too. It, it looks like the offensive line for some FCS schools as well. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, honestly, um, yeah. I'm Gilbert not, I'm not even joking when I say that yeah. because there's an FCS school right down the street from me, and I've seen their offensive line. And and, <laughs> <laughs> and if any of these guys are looking to transfer after spring, I I know a really good. No, FCS no, no. We want to keep all of them, Rob. We do. I know. Them. I know. I know. I'm just you know, all right. I can read. Yeah, it, and it's again just another interesting case of just kind of youth and just we didn't have a whole lot of actual on-field experience from a lot of these guys you know again showing why you know someone like eric yeah. gilbert was an important guy to bring on i mean mm-hmm. had one great year you know didn't didn't really play last year or two years ago and then you know didn't do, do a lot at georgia but you know we all know fedoni's got the the talent and the reputation but unfortunately just hasn't been able to see a whole lot of field and I think Hickman's played a few downs, hasn't he? I, I, yeah, Hickman's I mean, actually, yeah. if he's back, will have by far the most yeah, experience I mean, at Nebraska. And they the kept playing. Kind of stuff, right? Yeah, no. yeah. But Hickman, they kept moving him from receiver to tight end and back yeah. to receiver. I think that stunted a lot of his development early on there. But, I mean, you're absolutely right, Boomer. Again, take the transfer out of this, take Gilbert out, and this room looks very different. Again, so there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of – there's a lot of talent, I would say, out there in this room. But, um, you know, this spring, you can tell why this spring is so important because, I mean, these guys, if you take the collective stats of this room, it's probably not very impressive. So there's a lot of potential, but it's it's kind of unseen potential yet, or, you know, or unwitnessed at least. So um, yep. we'll, we'll see what it looks like. Uh, you know, th- this will be a fun group to watch in the spring game because uh, this will be the, some of their first chances to get out there in front of, you know, hopefully 70, 80,000 people and chance to kind of make a play. A.J. Rollins last year in the spring game, he was one of them that made a big catch. Um, 
I think when the, I think at a part where they were still playing real football at that time. And you know, that was like one <laughs> half, that they, one half that they were doing before the two hand touch, you know, in shorts though. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, it's going to be interesting. You're right. Do you think uh, the spring game could be um, a, a big part of determining who is playing here at tight end? Do you think they're going to take Fedoni kind of easy here in the spring? You know, I mean, I mean, just a risk factor faster he, factor right he, now too. He was asked about that today and he flat out, it was, it was kind of, it was almost an awkward answer. Cause he was like, he could have played last year. In fact, there were some coaches or, or he wouldn't say who there were some people that are like, why aren't you getting out there? But then it was, well, I'm not, I'm not cleared. And, and it, it got weird, Yeah, but yeah, but there the was, point yeah is, there was that article that you had honky where he was interviewed. Was it on um, Jojo's podcast last year? And mm. like, he got really like emotional. I, I remember listening to him. He got really emotional, like, you know, while doing that because it, it really seemed like he wanted to play well and, and let's think about just for a second put yourself in the guy's position i mean he's hurt he's had two knee injuries now in two years i mean just just awful to see and so you know i think they were going to do whatever they could last year to be or certainly they needed to do whatever they needed last year he thought he could play by the end of last season or during last season but it was i'm sure in his best interest to not do that um, at this point, it, it sounds like he's 100%. He's ready to go. And so, uh, you know, I'll go, I'll defer back to what Coach Rule said earlier with the physicality and practice and, and right. you know, the, the health of the team is, is at the utmost importance to him. Um, I'm sure that that's how they'll approach it with Fedoni. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, just like with any of these other guys on the team, at some point you're going to have to start taking hits again if you're going to get out there on the field. And so you got to get, you're going to have to get prepared and practice for what you're going to see on Saturdays. Yeah, and if there's one guy that he can take inspiration from too, would be JoJo, right? Because JoJo had a couple injuries as well, and sure. look at him—he's an NFL player. So I mean, there's, you know, sure. there's, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of positives to look forward to because there are a lot there are plenty of examples of kids in his situation that have come back and been very productive and had great careers. So absolutely, yeah, yeah they reconstruct a knee better. There's than that Kool Aid than before. There's, there's uh, the Kool Aid, Rob. All right. Well, uh, let's wrap this up uh, with uh, offensive line and uh, obviously another big list, Sankey, and uh, a lot of intrigue here. We do have some more experience. Um, you know, what do we expect to see out of this offensive line here in the spring? Yeah. So the, the only position group on, on the entire team that has uh, a coach returning. So Donovan Rayola uh, worked with these guys last year and it starts with uh, the three, or actually the five juniors here: Bryce Benhart, six nine, three fifteen; Turner Corcoran, six six, three hundred; uh, Nuuli is six four, three fifteen; Ethan Piper, six two, two ninety five; Ben Scott, the transfer from Arizona State, uh, multiple year starter there. He was a center, but he's also played tackle. Basically, he could play any of the positions. Six five, three hundred. So the five juniors. After that, you have a couple of sophomores, Henry Lutovsky, 6'6", 3'10", from Iowa, and he's played quite a bit now, starting with last year. Teddy Prohaska, you know, the, the Omaha kid, uh, 6'10", 3'20". Um, I mean, all the talent in the world, all the, the, the potential in the world that he just yeah. hasn't been able to keep healthy for two seasons. And then we get to the right side, and we do have the transfer from Georgia, Jacob Hood, redshirt freshman, 6'8", 3'45". And then uh, Justin Jenkins is a redshirt freshman. He was on the team last year, 6'1", 290. And then the rest are all true freshmen, uh, guys that uh, four of them are Nebraska kids, Mason Goldman, Gunnar Gotchula, 
uh, Brock Knudsen and Sam Sledge, and then Jason Magigizic, and I'll screw up that last name until <laughs> say it again. Say it again. I don't know. Magigizic, <laughs> and uh, he's from Pierre, South Dakota. Uh, so uh, those five guys um, probably not going to be as as uh, big of uh, uh, players on the team next year. But uh, if we st- stick over here on the right on the left side of the the column. You know, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is that I feel like a broken record because we've said this now multiple years in a row, but there's talent, right? I mean, let's go back to the recruiting rankings. If they mean anything, Teddy Prohaska, Bryce Benhart, Turner Corcoran, all three of these guys were top 100 recruits. Army All-American guy like, you know, Bryce Benhart. These are guys that, um, you know, that they, they don't come with a, a lack of recruiting bells and whistles. Um, from a size standpoint, if Frost liked anything, he liked size. So Ben Hart is six foot nine, yeah. and and you know Prohaska is six ten. Uh, I mean, this looks like a basketball team, and you know, big dudes. Um, but it's about staying healthy, and this is the one of the rooms where I'm really interested to see if strength and conditioning can make a big difference. A, a little bit of the bend. I think we looked stiff on the O line last year. That affected us in in pass protection. It affected us. I think some of our run. Uh, blocking as well but you know can we get some bend in these guys there's you know i i'm not ready to just toss out ben hart and say he's done i mean this is a guy if if this guy can man the right tackle spot my goodness that opens up a whole lot of options so i don't know dave i'll I'll just start there i mean there's a lot of options as i look at this group yeah i mean i'll be interested to see if they actually try to play around with some of those lineups really Mm -hmm. and move guys around even heard ben scott you know we've always just locked him in in a center but maybe that's not the case right you know and Mm -hmm. um you know newelli was a big miss last year right i mean though i mean he, he had really emerged with teddy two years ago as quite the tandem there and and him being out uh had a big impact in the lineup so it it's a, a little bit of a, a reset and some guys like Ben Hart and uh, Turner have a chance to kind of reestablish themselves um, as with some of that hope that they uh, had as they, they started their careers here. Yeah. You know, last year I had Zaska, Rob Zaska on the show right before the season started. And he highlighted two guys that um, just kind of out of the blue, they just happened to both be on the old line. But he's like, there's two guys on the team that I think could, you know, could play right now at a, at a Georgia and he threw Georgia out as the team. And he said, Prohaska, if he's healthy. And then he goes newly and he was bringing up newly. Cause it was just at that point, it just happened like a, a week earlier that he right. was suspended for the week. And so, or for the season. So he was like, that was a, a big loss. And that, and I was a little bit shocked to hear, you know, you think newly is that good? He's like, Oh yeah, that guy is a road grader. I mean, it's a big loss that he thought we didn't have newly. And then Prohaska, if he can just stay healthy, but that those two guys would be good enough to play at Georgia. So fast forward to today to have both of those guys, hopefully healthy, hopefully ready to go, and then throw Jacob Hood on top of that, a 6'8", 345 transfer from Georgia, who was yeah. a you know a, t- a top uh, recruit too. Now, I think Hood, um, I'm really interested to see him this spring because all I've heard is this is a great big guy, a, a ton of talent, ton of recruiting hype, but also – definitely a project. So I yeah. really want to see what that project looks like. You know, I mean, that's, there's a, there's a reason they brought him in. Now, I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the fact that this is the room that missed on a big transfer option, yeah. uh, Walter Rouse, who 
um, just to make this clear, if Rouse had come here, he was the transfer from Stanford, committed here, and then decommitted 17 hours later and went down to Oklahoma. But even if he had been here, he wasn't going to be here in spring either. He's He was coming off right. of an injury, so he wouldn't have been playing in spring ball either. But, um, uh, you know, as I start to kind of put guys into positions here, I'm going to say the same thing I said, I think, last season, and that is Ben Hart at right tackle is so huge right now because if he can man that position, it changes everything else. I, I think Ben Scott could be our right tackle, but could he be our center if we don't need to move him to right tackle? You know, and, and uh, you know, Teddy, if he can stay healthy, I mean, that's a – I could see Teddy playing left tackle. I could see, uh, new, you know, geez, got to have Corcoran somewhere on here. Probably Prohaska left tackle, Corcoran, you know, left guard, Scott at center, Newly at right guard and Ben Hart at right tackle. I mean, that's kind yeah, of my, my some scribbling. People are really high in Latoski, right? You know, so mm-hmm. I mean, you're not short of options. It's just they've got to really, um, to your point, kind of, um, you know, definitely develop um, over last year. And, you know, I mean, it, it's, the, it's the position group that could improve the most because they have some experience out there. It's not a yeah. lack of experience. Um, it is a bit of the, the physical part of it um, where maybe uh, different training uh, methods and approaches might pay dividends. Yeah. And, yeah. and one thing, I mean, having Rayola as their coach again, right? Like they're yeah, going to be point, a little Rob. bit more into his scheme a little bit. And I think that may have played into it because honestly, this is the one position group that I think still just year after year still comes with the most questions, right? I mean, regardless of, of what we want to say, this is where it all starts right here in the trenches so you know i that's my biggest concern still i mean we got to this here and it's, it's like you know we're looking at this and and for me that's the biggest question mark because these are the guys that you know that are gonna of where it's gonna start anyway also honky it's machachok is how you say his name i'll i'll forget Jason already by Machachok. next week but i yeah but i appreciate forgotten it already yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this yeah it, trev said it on you know, the day that he was firing for us was that we have to win the trenches and that, that was this area, any success that we're going to have, it's going to ultimately start up front here. Scott's a big, big transfer, just like with all these other position groups we've talked to, talked about that have had a transfer. I, you know, imagine this, what this group looks like if Scott's not in there right now. I mean, I think Scott's a big, big uh, improvement here and where he goes is kind of dependent upon where the need is. I, I would say up front the biggest need is at center, and hopefully hopefully other guys can fill in those other spots and, and Scott can be that center. If not, you know, it's not that Piper can't play center. It's not that Newley couldn't or even Corcoran. But, um, uh, you know, hopefully at, at the tackle spot, I mean, I, what I really want to see is Ben Hart and Prohaska take those spots over. I mean, that's what they were brought in here yeah. for. That they're big-time bookend tackles and stay healthy and uh, and – if if we can if they can live up to the billing of what they came in at, um, you know, watch out. And this is the thing: of all the position groups that maybe this aligns more now, these guys' strengths with what we're switching to. Coach Rule specifically, when asked about why did he keep Rayola as a line coach, he said he coaches the style of of line play that I want to run. So at the very least, I don't think we're going to see any of the craziness of a year ago where Whipple and Rayola and we're not, you know, we're, we're doing different things and different schemes to, you know, what the blocking is. At least they're going to be aligned that way. And and these guys, 
are going to be, you know, running the style of offense that we want to, that the coaches want, and that hopefully builds to their strengths. I, I, that's what I want to see: Lutowski and Scott and yeah. Uli well, blowing people over. Yeah, well, hockey. I, I tell you, it's interesting. You you look at the if you're watching this on YouTube, you, you see we have uh, seven guys on the left side that all have had uh, playing experience, uh, and then the seven guys on on the right are all the, the freshmen or registered freshmen that are kind of still work in progress. And so, I mean, if you think of it that way, you have seven guys that really aren't haven't proved anything yet. Seven other guys that we are talking about plugging and playing and have some experience with seven. That, that means you only have, you have five starters and, and two backups. And your mm -hmm. point, if you want Ben Hart and, and Teddy as your, um, your bookends, you have Nuradine and, and Corcoran as your guards and, and Scott as your, center then you you got piper and Lutowski that can you know fill in right i think that makes sense but one injury and mm -hmm. you could be running pretty thin already uh you have anybody like from a walk-on standpoint um that we should be aware of or some of the other names that I, i'm not thinking of that might no and that's that was the next thing i wrote down was that if there's a if there's an area and that's something i want to focus on in spring if there's an area where we've had a, you know, no doubt we have a couple of walk-on guys that could be third fourth year players that could add to this. So the only people on this list right now are just scholarship players. What should also be noted, and, and you brought this up when it comes to pure numbers, Dave, this is, we're only showing 14 guys. And if there was any position group that um, coach rule said, Hey, I want a certain number at, he talked about it with O-line. He wants to be at 16. So scholarship wise, you're looking at, you know, a group here that's a couple short of what he wants ideally. And so when we look at some of these other position groups that, you know, look, bloated or have you know quite a few more than you would normally see at it this is one that uh you know we want to get a couple up to so i know we have that 100 plus uh, scholarship you know number right now going on but but uh he would like to see a few more offensive linemen in that room is it possible that they go after someone in in may as a, a transfer uh, to, to add depth it, it could it, it could and i mean they could do that at any position, you know, for what it's worth. I, but here not, just particular, at, yeah. not just at O-line, but if they really felt that they, um, you know, I, I wonder what that number is, not just that they want 16, but I wonder what that number is that they feel like they need to have going into camp. Like we need to have a top eight or a top nine, or, you know, what is that number that, uh, you know, that we need to have this many guys that, that are going to play and that we have to feel that comfortable with playing. Cause Let's just assume that the left side here, all seven of those guys you feel comfortable with. Um, do you feel comfortable with Jason Jacob Hood, the the transfer from Georgia? Did, would you feel comfortable with him being a an eighth guy, a ninth guy on the O line? Maybe throw in one walk on. I mean, that's what they need to kind of work their way through. I don't know how you'd feel that about any of the the incoming freshmen. I just can't even imagine that. You know, those those guys are. You know, there might be one that that sticks out. You know, when they get here, but for the most part, you're going to look at most of those guys as being as being uh, transfers or not, not transfers, uh, walk-ons. And one thing too, we should say, I don't know. Coach Rule has talked quite a bit about position changes that he's done in the past when he's gone to some place. So conceivably, sure. could there be a defensive tackle that transfer moves over to the offensive side? We'll see. I mean, there's always a surprise in spring ball that we can't predict right now. Um, but based off just the, the rosters that we were looking up at this point, this, this is what we had. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. All right. Good stuff, guys. Uh, anything else on football when you're talking about hockey? 
No, I think that uh, I think that should do it. Uh, next week, we will get into the defensive side and we'll get into the special teams and do the same thing, kind of go position by position. But, you know, it's a lot of fun. I, I can't wait to see uh, spring practice, start reading the, the articles, watch spring game, um, all those good things. I, I just think that uh, there's a lot of pieces for these guys to work with. And Dave, we mentioned it when Rule first got here, compared to some of the places that he's been in the past, namely Baylor and what he took over. Yeah. You know, this is there's some there's issues and group, you know, there's it's not all, you know, roses and Kool-Aid there that that he has to work with. But he has a lot to work with, too. So um, I'm sure he's pretty happy with the rooms that he has right now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And now, Nebraska Ball. Let's talk about some Nebraska Ball. And, um, hey... Those guys beat the Hawkeyes again, Rob. I mean, this this is something. This is like a dream, right? I mean, we beat the Hawkeyes twice, Creighton, and Wisconsin. I mean, like uh, this is just like a standard, you know, awesome yeah. basketball season, right? I mean, it's uh, I, I again, I'm already on record as saying I was wrong, Dave. I don't know how much more you need to like really keep pushing <laughs> me about it. Um, I mean. No, it was, it was really impressive, and it's funny because the emotions that we go through in our text thread, mostly honky, throughout the, course of a, throughout the course of a game, half the time I'm thinking like, oh, God, how much has he had to drink already? But, the you know, by the time the game came around to it, I, I, I guess I could say that I was with you on this one, Dave, where it's like I know college basketball well enough to know that if it's like only like a five or six, seven-point game at any point throughout throughout the game. Yeah, they're always in it. They're, you're always in it because it's you're literally like two shots and a foul away from being tied up again, right? And that's exactly kind of what happened. Then they had a couple good calls go their way with that um, charge at the end of the game that may have been questionable, but we got the calls and we well, never get the calls. So we'll just may, go ahead Maybe their head coach shouldn't be such an, you know, what yeah. the refs? Can we say horse's yeah. ass on, on this yeah. show? Well, you just did. Uh, Yes, I and and he was definitely outside of the circle. So that's you know, there's no question there. Whether he was moving or not is is questionable. So we'll just go ahead and say great call by the Big Ten refs. Um, yeah, and I think my favorite part about this too is the fact that they are probably the hottest team in the Big Ten right now, six and two in their last eight games, which nobody saw coming, especially with a couple bunch of quality wins. wins. Yeah, um, yeah, the, the road games. Yeah, the what was it? The Maryland win, and then uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and Wisconsin Rutgers. and Rutgers. And, I mean, these are all teams that, you know, those are – Maryland and Rutgers are – I would almost venture to say that they're almost basketball schools more than they're, you know, football schools in a lot of way. And well, I mean, Rutgers has, is nothing. They're not well, a black school I know. Okay, but, I was trying to be yes, nice. Maryland is a basketball but school. But Maryland – Maryland, Yeah, Maryland was a national champion and, and a while yeah. ago, but um, still happened. It was in the 90s. But, you know, hey, what do we know about 90s championships? It was 2000. Was it 2000? I think so. You can look that up. Yeah, um, but Boomer, way, but yeah. uh, I mean, so we're on an 11 seed. 
We play Minnesota for the third time. It's always tough to beat any team three times, but if there's a team to beat three True. times, it's Minnesota. Uh, I think it's 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 out there to get to 17 and 15, but they got to win on Wednesday night. You know, it could have broke with, I mean, Penn State upsetting Maryland, and without that happening, we would have had a, a bye. But I think at this point, I think every win helps in the NIT bid, unless you really think you're going to run the table and win the Big Ten and make the tournament. Um, I would I would take the extra win in, on Wednesday. They just got to go and go ahead and take care of business, right? Oh yeah, I, you don't want to leave anything to chance. And you know we know what happens when Nebraska is close to being a tournament team. And you know even if it's the NIT, you know they find ways to leave <laughs> us out. So yeah, go out. Yeah, definitely want to beat Minnesota if you can that third time. And heck, you beat Maryland once. Why not try to beat him again? You know that would really just be icing on the cake. But yeah, it really was a good end of the season. I think if the season would end in January. I think everybody was just depressed and ready to move on. It just kind of shows how, you know, a month and, and some, yeah, I, I yeah, made the same call, Rob, but, but, you know, luckily there was time to go and yeah. they were able to turn it around and, you know, build something really positive and just show what the season had, you know, maybe injuries derailed it. Maybe they just took them this long to find their footing, but it did certainly show well, that there is something to even how close they well, keep- are. You know, I, I keep hearing that injuries derailed it, but the reality is they're they're playing some of their best ball with lineups that wouldn't have happened if they didn't have injuries. I mean, yeah, the, right, the likelihood of Sam Hoiberg getting out there and playing as much, or maybe Tomonaga playing in the same role if Bandamil sure. doesn't get hurt, or get, you know, I mean that you know the you can almost say they were forced um, lineups, but we started seeing some of the best ball. I, it, I if Blaze Kata doesn't get hurt. You know, he was the guy that I thought really we played some of the best ball in about those that two game stretch of the last yeah, second sure. half against Wisconsin, Rutgers, and then until he got injured, uh, the, I think against Maryland. You know, he played so well out there on the court at the same time with Walker. But uh, you're 100 right, Dave, about the the text change, and I'm first, I'm right on the top of it. And I don't want to, I'm not rewriting any history. I mean, this team at times can be tough to watch. I love, I love. The, the fight in them. I absolutely do. But like there were times yesterday, I was like, my gosh, we just, we threw three or four, just handed the ball to them at midcourt, essentially. I'm like, you can't just be that the ball yeah. and then just not getting the offensive rebounds. I'm ecstatic that we won. I, I, I literally can't believe it. And whatever the, you know, Iowa fans can complain about a, a you know, a blocker or charge. I don't give a shit. I mean, I can't believe we won the game. I literally <laughs> can't believe we won it. Yeah. You know, and we had what, 15 turnovers and everything. So I listen, and I know you're going to laugh me, Honky, from another text change that we have, but I listen to pretty much all these games on the radio, um, right? And then, you know, can't even mm-hmm. picture a meme of, of Ken Pavelka, and then, and then there you go. <laughs> but, the, um, but you know, he was telling a really good story yesterday during the radio broadcast about when Hoiberg basically came up to his son and was like, you're going to need to be our ninth guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're going to have to be the guy coming in off the bench now. And his son was basically like, well, I want to be more than that. And he's kind of become like the sixth man, right? He's yeah. out there. And, and, and if anything, sure. you know, he's, you know, if, if he was in the starting lineup, I wouldn't even question it at this point because he's, he's been playing with a lot of heart. And, and I would say that at this point between him and, and, and Tominaga is the guy, he's like, whatever I think Dave called him like the Japanese Steph Curry, you know, he's got all the fans. He's got the fanfare. He's hitting threes, looking the other YouTube way. Followers. Yeah, yeah. But, but in all reality, I think the MVP down the stretch of this team would be Hoiberg and the, the heart he's playing with um, 
the the desire he has on every single play going after the ball taking on pulling the ball down like between you know bigger guys on the court sure, sure. you know he's he's in there in the middle of like the redwood trees as like a sapling like pulling down rebounds <laughs> and and it's it was just just to like listen to the way that they talk about him on the radio and then when i go back and i watch clips of the game or i rewatch the game on the big 10 network i mean all credit uh to hoiberg and being able to coach this team and keep them uh, believing in him and believing in his system is to me, that's, it's amazing. It really is. It's everything that Dave has said that he thought Hoiberg could be. And he has been so well, well, and, good job, well, Dave, you were right. And, and look, you know, a month ago we had Sipple on and we had the conversation about, you know, at the end of the season, you know, is Trevor going to have a hard decision? And it was literally, it was with the, the caveat that we all said it at the time. We're like, look, if he goes on some tear, then that changes things. But there was no, I'll use a Trev term. There was no empirical data out there to show that that there was a tear to be taken, that there was nothing yeah. that you would have thought was going to happen. But for them to go six and two, and I threw this out here, and I know what our answer is, but I mean, this this thing I threw out earlier today, we got 2,000 votes. And I simply asked, do you think uh, if, if we went four and one in the Big Ten tourney, so we don't win it, but we go four we and one. Lose the championship game. Losing the championship game. Um, would that record be enough to get in you in the in the dance? That would be twenty and sixteen overall. So you'd win twenty games, but you have sixteen losses. I, I just before we even go around the room, I'll say no. I don't think it is because the you know fourteen of those sixteen losses, assuming that the the championship game isn't a blowout, fourteen of those current fifteen losses are by double digits. And I know that's a net killer, that's crazy number, one. and and that's one of the reasons why I think that we're. We're, you know, to, as, as low to, to as we counter are. counter that, Honky, did you know that Nebraska is the only Division One team to have um, four wins in a season when they were double-digit underdogs? I, I mean, it's a weird stat because yeah. that means you had to be a double-digit underdog. To yeah, exactly. Do it. I mean, we, we had three, three double-digit underdog games on the road that we've won between mm -hmm. Creighton, Rutgers, and and um and um, iowa now so i mean that's that it's impressive on one end it's also well you're double digit underdog for a reason i i look i'm ecstatic with what hoiberg's done i mean I, i'm also completely blown away and i am more than willing to you know take whatever medicine i have to take for i didn't think he could do this a month ago so i am i'm ecstatic yeah. that he is and he has more than i think earned that right to be our coach in, in the fifth year i mean if we can definitely put that question to bed and the, and the only reason i br bring that up is that's some of the responses to that to that tweet that that poll this morning wasn't just should we make the ncaa tournament we have people going well should he even still be the coach next year yes i mean yeah. I, I don't think there's any yeah. um yeah. i don't think there's any motivation right now on trev's part to make any change there so that that i'll be intrigued to see you know how he constructs his roster next year hopefully yeah. uh casey uh, comes back and and we get a few guys to fill in uh, with the pieces that we're going to miss. But I, I think with the emergence of guys like Keita and Jamarcus Lawrence, I mean, you, you got to hope that yeah. this is a team that's going to be competitive for the NCAA tournament and, and get on the right side of the bubble, you know, yeah. this year. Now, Boomer, uh, in 30 seconds or less, can you explain <laughs> the net rankings? <laughs> and why are we 94? No pressure. <laughs> Win games and don't lose big. That's basically all it is. Just this is, yeah. this is where Skip would actually come yeah. in handy on one. Well, it's it's also the uh, efficiency, right? I mean, offensive and defensive right. efficiency. Yeah. And the reality is, is that we are a very defensive 
probably efficient early in the year, but not offensively efficient. And now we've probably reversed it a little bit. We were very efficient in the Iowa in, in offensive efficiency, but then that washes out yeah. and we don't score on that metric. And then all the, all those blowouts. Um, it, and then honestly, I think the net was supposed to be something that was supposed to be better than the RPI. And um, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't, I don't think it really captures everything. You know, it's, it's really mm-hmm. tough. No, yeah. I'm not sure it does either. Well, yeah. producer Skip in, in our tech show, I mean, he brought up a good point too. And I've seen this on Twitter, some references to, well, we have four quad one wins and no yeah. quad three losses, which are, which is true. And that's, those are taken by themselves. Those are good stats. I mean, that's more quad one wins than we had in 2017 when we went 22 and 11 and didn't make it. But the, one of the issues is that we've had, what was it like? Uh, I, I don't know the exact number, like 12 quad one opportunities or 15 quad one opportunities. We're four and 10 in quad one. So we yeah, have we're four and 10. So, so percentage wise, we, we haven't won a, 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 you know, a very good percentage of those quad one right. wins, which is, that's something you get compared against other teams that maybe they only played six, but they won three of them. Well, they've won 50% of their quad one games and we've won, you know, 25 or 30%. Yeah. It, it, it all gets factored in and look, it would be a, how about this? I'll flip the I'll flip the question a little bit. How wonderful of a conversation would it be to be going four and one and even having even the discussion, even the argument? Should we be on the bubble? Should we not? I mean, like, what are we talking about? One month ago, we were simple, literally saying we don't know what what you know what Trev's gonna do after the season and to be in a, a pretty good spot. And and you mentioned Lawrence there, Dave. I mean, the guy just he was the big ten, you know, freshman of the week this last week. I mean, yeah. that's one guy that stepped up, you know, Breidenbach. And I've, I've been hard on Breidenbach at times. That guy's second half against Iowa. I mean, he got, he got an offensive rebound and put it back up for, for a, uh, you know, an easy layup. I mean, that was huge. He hit a huge three uh, at the end of the game. Yes. And, and honestly, I think that three, and then there was a play that he made where, he ripped a, what was going to be another offensive rebound. I think he ripped it out of the play. And then he made a pass down the court, like to, to like it, just a bang, bang play where, where we scored. And I mean, he, he really did. He stepped it up and it's funny because yeah. talk about a tale of two halves, honky talking about Breidenbach in the first half and honky talking about Breidenbach in the second half is almost, yeah. Like, yeah, sure. you know, sure. it's almost like listening to me talk about the Nebraska basketball season in a whole. So, <laughs> It's a good point. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Well, it's going to be a, a fun uh, week. Hopefully, let's win Wednesday night and you know and enjoy it from there. And if we at least go go to the NIT, um, I, I would hope that we get a home game there just because of um, yep. the attendance opportunity, and that would be pretty cool. So that'd be a great thing to see um, happen like in in the next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, around the Van Horn. Around the Van Horn. Uh, baseball also turning it around. And, um, you know, it was a frustrating week Week one where we go 0-3-1 versus San Diego and had our chance for some 
early quad one wins, um, which I think San Diego probably will be, but um, I got a tie. Uh, bounced back <laughs> last week versus you South didn't Alabama. Lose. Didn't lose that game, Dave. And uh, offense looked great at the end of that South San Diego week. It continued last week versus South Alabama. We go up to, to Minneapolis and play in a really weird field where uh, the Vikings uh, stadium um, is converted. And um, we get that quad one win as they upset number seven Vanderbilt on a Friday night. And that's a, a big victory. Boomer, they followed it up with Hawaii, and then they just kind of ran out a little bit of steam there versus Ole Miss. But you got to be pretty happy with a two and one uh, out of that tournament. Defending yeah, I think uh, I think we talked about it. You know, before the tournament, we we'd said you can come out of that beating Hawaii and winning either Vanderbilt and Ole Miss, and that's exactly what you wanted out of it. And that's what they did. I mean, beating anybody in the SEC is going to be a huge deal when it comes to the the end of the season, and you're looking at you know, the strength of schedule, net rankings, whatever you want to yeah. talk about. And you've got to take advantage of those opportunities. And they did, at least in one of those games. So that was good. And that's yeah, they got to build on this. Yep. And really, the Big Ten's had, a, had some shots against SEC and Southern schools yep. this year. And they've actually done fairly well. Iowa beat LSU. And, and Maryland's been Maryland playing well. So the Big Ten could have yeah. some decent metrics behind them with some of these non-conference wins right. um, early that, in the that year. That only helps. The, the conference and helps Nebraska if they perform well in the conference. Yep. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Maryland has a win against Old Miss. Now they've lost to them three times because they had a three game series with them and then went and played them again this last weekend in Minneapolis. Uh, so poor Maryland. Yeah. They just keep playing Old Miss over and over again. But they, they won one of those. Like you said, Dave, Iowa beat um, uh, LSU. Texas has been beat by, I think it was Illinois or Indiana, one of the two. I mean, so there's been some good wins. And then that Friday win that Nebraska had had against Vandy, you add that to the list of the, the Big Ten resume. And, uh, you know, hopefully the Big Ten, you know, gets, you know, has a little bit better RPI and appearance than just being yep, a two right. or three bid league. Maybe they can get three or four, you know, at kind of thing. But um, that Vandy win, I guess I'll ask you this, Dave, like what's the value of that being a Friday win at the end of the season versus that was a midweek Tuesday night game? I mean, we basically, that was ace versus ace, right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, metrics wise, it's no difference, right? But ultimately when you have a a human looking at it and they see that as a Friday night and they see that you beat, um, yeah, you're right. Vanderbilt had uh, one of their top pitchers going out there opposed to a midweek game. And it, there's a lot of value there just on the actual like eye test, right? Mm-hmm. That you hit Vanderbilt that well and had 13 hits. We actually should have probably scored even more runs versus Vanderbilt. And then Ole, Ole Miss, sure, they jumped all over us uh, in the first. Now, it's a Sunday starter, and, and that's always a little bit of concern if you can't finish off your series. But after those eight runs, we actually played them pretty tight the rest of the game. So, um, overall, you got to be pretty pleased with that and definitely pass the eye test these last two weeks. Mm. So, you know, six of their eight runs in that first uh, inning came on two two outs, which, I mean, is what it is. You got to get the third yeah. out, but it just, it, you know, this is, uh, I know we have a deep pitching group. I know that's that coming into the season, they talked about that, but it's just, I think, finding that, what that right, you know, combination is going to be, that's going to take them a little bit of time here. Um, if you have a solid Friday and Saturday guy, that will, that will take you a long ways. I mean, Nebraska a couple seasons right. ago had that, and then you're trying to find, you know, behind them. And, 
and there's talent. There's got you know Drew Christo's back there, right? And and where do you where do these guys you know fall in? I, I'm guessing that they might have a little bit of a rotation going with with Sunday, you know, until they figure it out. We come back to Lincoln tomorrow, and we go on a stretch now of 14 or 15 games being played in Lincoln. The the only game not here is a game in Omaha against Creighton. So the next 15 games, right as a cold spell is coming here to Nebraska, should That's be right. just wonderful baseball weather. Thank you to the NCAA yet again for kicking the can down the road and never fixing uh, baseball scheduling. But uh, get your parkas and yeah, get, get, your, get your blankets and everything, uh, Husker fans, and show up and support these guys. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Uh, anything else we want to talk about? Or are we ready to get out with some parting shots? Parting shots. You think an hour and a half stuff? All right, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think we're good. Off season, uh, nothing to talk about, right? All right, um, let's get out of here with three quality parting shots, and let's start with uh, a good friend, Redcast Rob. Well, first of all, Dave, it's great to be back here with you tonight. I I, I always love having you around. Um, tomorrow night, I will be interviewing Eric Francis, longtime photographer for Hale Varsity. And um, we're not going to just talk about football or, you know, all the other sports either, because, you know, he's been covering Husker sports forever. But he also does some really cool side projects that that he's put together. He's put out a book and we're going to talk about some of that and um, some of the emotions that he catches while he's taking photography. Um, he's got a great podcast. It's also on the Herd at Network called the the Eye Test with Brady Oltman, who's you know the recruiting guy, and they talk a lot about photography. And they have some really good guests on, and they talk about um, just kind of capturing the moment while in the games and at the games. And so it's going to be a great talk with him. Um, I got to know him a little bit when I was out at Rutgers, and and I'm just looking forward to to just you know chatting it up with him for a little while. All right. Sounds great. Uh, Boomer, what are you drinking and what do you got? Yeah, tonight's just a little uh, sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. You know, kind of always makes me think of Rome, the way the sun shines off the buildings <laughs> in the afternoon. True. Uh, know exactly uh, what you're saying. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, just a couple quick things. You know, first off, you know, we, we talked about uh, Husker basketball and the, the good streak they're on. So I just want to say whatever all of our listeners are out there doing, whether it's wearing certain socks while watching the game or certain beverage while doing it or – Completely forgetting the game is on and not even watching it and checking the score afterwards. Just keep doing that. So let's yeah, <laughs> keep the streak going. Let's enjoy this. And then uh, just another quick basketball-related shout-out. I just wanted to you know, just give a little congratulations to a former Husker coach, Tim Miles, out at San Jose State. He's got them performing pretty well. Yeah. They're, what, 19 wins already? They're a yeah, certain uh, shot at the NCAA tournament or even NIT. And well, That'd be a storyline if you could get uh, Tim Miles coming back to the pinnacle for a, for a game in the NIT. That, that could uh -huh. be kind of fun. So, yeah. and he, he's conference coach of the year. I think they just announced today yeah. for yeah. In, in that. Uh, mm -hmm. What are they? Whack or Mountain, uh, West? Mountain West? Mountain West. Okay. Yeah, they're with what CSU and and yeah, they just got Air Force. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, uh, yeah, that, that would be a, quite the NIT matchup. There's no doubt about that. Honky, uh, I want your first take to be able to um, name the movie that Boomer just quoted. Uh, the say it again, Boomer. The because I was thinking it as you were. It is appropriate if I'd say it again. So yeah, sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. You know, always makes me think of Rome. The way the sun shines off the buildings in the afternoon. And oh gosh, I'd um, like to say a little drink, uh, say a little prayer, and drink the world of peace. So oh, uh, oh, Amen. Scrooged, Scrooged, Scrooged. No, no right, right after uh, Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day. God, hey, there we go. Dang it! No, I. I <laughs> 
I knew it. I could think of Bill Murray saying it. I just couldn't uh, couldn't spit the words out. All right, well. When Scrooge only drinks vodka with a dash of tab, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's his there you go. <laughs> All right, Don, get us out of here. Okay, well, um, I, I should have had this graphic ready for you, but uh, Rob, or yeah, Rob, this this is the uh, Eric uh, Francis graphic here for tomorrow night. But uh, that's definitely a good show. I'm looking forward to uh, to listening to that. And while we're doing a few promos here, um, I have a couple of for, uh, fan forums coming up uh, this Wednesday, uh, March 8th at 6:30. We moved it up from eight o'clock because Nebraska is going to be playing somewhere right around eight o'clock against Minnesota. So 6.30, we'll have Husker Abbey on. And then uh, the next two, uh, the next week, I'll be in Denver. Uh, so this is on March 22nd. We'll have Connor Hayden with Corn Craze, the number one Nebraska football talk show on YouTube. And then after that, uh, Wednesday, March 29th, we have Redcast Sarah. So we've got a, a series of those coming up. And we have two other big shows, big guests, that um, I'm just still getting all the timing and everything kind of uh, figured out. Uh, so just you know, keep uh, keep listening here, Redcasters. Keep watching. Uh, you know, the off season is in in full effect right now. And we've got shows going coming left and right. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, don't forget That's to go back in the comments right and Ooh. click on the uh, podcast award shows and vote for the Redcast in every category yes. that you possibly can. Like like this if you if you like what you're watching here, click the like button. You know, share it, uh, subscribe, ring bells, do whatever the dick and the young kids are doing and. <laughs> We appreciate it. Uh, what about right, guys? What, what did you just say? Something? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Can't wait for this uh, hour and 38 minute show to be on TikTok or whatever. Right? That's going to go well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, can, you can see it right next to my gritty videos and you do it. There you gritty. go. Yeah. Or the gritty. All right, guys. I think it's definitely time, time to get out of here. So for now, let's call that a go big red cast. Go big red. GBR. A Herd at Sports Network production.